So as a publisher, what we do is we figure out how is that, where does that person want to go? And then help them provide all the resource, get them all the resources to put one, get them a strong foundation and then to lead them to where they want to go. Everybody's different and there's no wrong way. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. Today I have a guest who I actually met in Clubhouse. It's not somebody that I've met in real life, but you know, there are people in our lives that we come across and you just feel that they are on your wavelength. He is nice and he has these clubhouse rooms. And when I enter the room, he invites me up on stage and he is just very nice. And I think at the beginning, it doesn't really matter what people do. For me, at least, it doesn't matter what to, what they do. For me, the first thing that's important when I meet somebody is, are they nice or are they not nice? And then you find out what they are all about. Dominique Domaski, what do you think about what I just said? Do you agree with me? I love what you are saying, and I hope to share that kind of example with my children as well, you know, right? Like, if this person is nice, they treat you good. I don't care if they're a doctor, garbage man, landscaper, lawyer, make them your friend. Yeah, I respect everybody who is nice to me. If people who are not, I, I tend to just ignore them because I don't like to go their way, you know. So, Dominic, you are an inspirational author, storyteller, and founder of the inspiration sharing and publishing platform Motivation Champs. And you've written a few books, especially one of them has caught my attention, which is called My Name is Sharon. And we'll talk about that later on. But since, you know, my podcast is called Most Memorable Journeys. So when was your last trip? Have you been traveling during COVID at all? We did travel during COVID. Me and my lovely wife had hit 20 years of blissful marriage and we went to Jamaica and saw the blue waters of Jamaica and uh, the jerk chicken. And there was a, a jerk chicken cart. Would you, would you like to hear about the jerk chicken? Yes, I would. I'd love oh. to hear about that. Okay. So at the resort, there is a, a gentleman that's famous in this area, a local celebrity. And he pushes around a cart with a little grill on it where he makes jerk chicken. And all for about five hours a day, he pushes his cart around and people from all the resorts that connect or are nearby follow him in a line. And he just puts jerk chicken on a little uh, paper plate, chops the bones up and everything. You have to pick the like you have to pick the bones out. <laughs> and then he that is the highlight of the trip. <laughs> of the trip was the church chicken uh, yeah. and it was the, the 20 years wedding mute this rewind it and don't ever share that with my wife no. <laughs> i'm gonna share it i'm not there's not gonna be anything muted or rewound <laughs> and i'm gonna make sure that she hears it too yeah. i am only joking of course but jamaica is fun isn't it i have been many years ago but um it's a fun island and lots of gorgeous people Absolutely. Just everybody was so welcoming and uh, poured the drinks heavy and uh, the beaches were perfect. The uh, atmosphere was perfect. And it was just uh, something where really 20 years, um, I will say just in, in this area after 9-11, my wife had somewhat became afraid to fly. So over the past few years, 
past 10 years or so, five years or so, we've really gotten back into exploring different parts of the country again, from LA to Florida to Texas, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. 9-11 was, um, had a huge impact on everything and everyone because I used to be a tour guide in the U S and I used to travel, you know, on, 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 the what do you call it? Inland flights within the U S. And I remember times when there was, there was no security. You just walk through. That was before, obviously. Right, right, right. I remember taking the Trump shuttle from Washington to New York. And sometimes when I was there with my tour group a little early, because it went every hour, the Trump shuttle, then they just said, oh, come on, let's go. Let's take the, like I was supposed to go on the 12 o'clock and then they rushed us through to go to the 11 o'clock. And then, of course, everything changed. And that's a shame, you know, I mean, all the liquid and all the stories so traveling and especially now with with the masks and everything traveling is less fun but i'm hopeful yes hope there's always hope right oh, let's talk about hope so there you are and very motivational and whenever i speak to you and we've been speaking quite a lot i've been in your rooms quite quite a few times you are always motivating other people and you are always promoting other people and you are always in a good mood. How do you do that? I believe that one, positivity is like a muscle, right? You build that muscle. Everybody that's listening, we are going to go through challenges and adversities and things like that. But there's this thought that right now, me, you, your listeners have survived a hundred percent of the toughest days of their lives, right? So you've already been through these tough times. And I have this belief that as you go through them, adversity makes you stronger. Adversity makes you stronger. You use that, you develop empathy and tools and surround yourself with positive people like yourself. And like you said earlier, I don't hang out with the negative people. And so I surround myself with positivity and it is helpful. So I I realize there are bad things in the world that happen. I don't, I don't pretend like there aren't bad things, but what I'm, what I believe is you're strong enough and better days are ahead. And I, I keep studying and researching and um, surrounding myself with those kind of things. So, and it seems to in, enhance my belief. Yeah, you're very right. I think this is the biggest secret to, to a happy life, to understand that you can never choose what happens, but you can always choose how you want to react. And uh, actually, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's it's Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. He's a Holocaust survivor. And um, there is one quote in there. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And it's that space is where the power is, because whatever stimulates you, you can choose. You know, then you have this mm-hmm. space in between and then you can decide well, how you want to react. And uh, what do you think about people who are always victims, who are always blaming somebody else? What do you have to say to that? First, I have compassion for them, right? We were not all, there's a line in The Great Gatsby, and it basically goes, remember, son, we were not all afforded the same opportunity. So it is very easy, right, to judge and pick on these people and say, well, well, maybe they didn't have a supportive mom or dad. Maybe they had issues early on in their childhood. Maybe they had lost jobs. And we are not all equipped to handle the same things. So one, I wish, I wish, and I'd love to work with and hope that 
they could overcome that. And I, I don't love that. Right. But I understand it. And I, I think, Hey, maybe if they, if they had the support. So anybody here, Oh, that's coming down on them. Well, what if we looked at things a different way? What if I could, you can't handle it. it. Yeah, that is good. Bad things are going to happen, right? You can handle it or yeah. Okay. Now what? Right. My friend, Brian P. Swift, who you've met before, he often says, and now what? And now what? Right. So this happened and now what? And I feel like we're too rough on them. Right. So also, yeah, there's a lot of people that live in that world. We don't have to live in that world and encourage them when you can. And also for anybody who's being brought down by people like that, I would encourage you to avoid the energy vampires and bloodsuckers, right? They, these are people that it could be a beautiful day and they'll look at, but there's a cloud coming over there, but it's going to rain this afternoon. But what's going to happen tomorrow? And we can avoid them as much as we can, but also try to understand there's two sides to every pillow. Yeah, I think you just taught me a little lesson here because I'm quite, I'm I'm not often so compassionate. Sometimes I get annoyed. But then on the other hand, I also don't uh, agree that we, you know, these people need us. You are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. But then on the other hand, because I have had gift of managing to be positive and managing to overcome many things, I feel that I, it's my duty to look after people who are not so well or who are not, of course, then at some point you maybe you you get a little impatient and you think, you know, come on, I've right. spent enough time together now, you should get it. But some people just don't and uh, they need us. I mean, right. we cannot just drop anybody we, just because they are not so, uh, not so happy. But I agree with you. We should stick to the happy ones. And I just want to follow up on that because it's something I'm super passionate about. Like anybody that has has the means, has the charisma, has the beauty, has the muscles, has the whatever to help somebody else, right? In my world, I believe you have a duty, right? Yeah, I, I'm always reminded of that story of the little boy picking up the starfish, right, on the beach where he walks down the beach and there's hundreds of thousands of starfish there and little boys walking throwing one at a time back in the ocean and then the man comes by the boy and says what are you doing and the boy says throwing starfish back in the water and the man says you can't save them all but the little boy says well i saved that one and right hey who knows you might create that ripple effect Mm -hmm. right that 10 years from now maybe that's the person that you helped and it was their grandkid it was their son it was their daughter it was them that um made that change so true and you know i make this motivational post every day on social media on my instagram and on my on my facebook and you know sometimes i think oh god i'm tired of doing this you know nobody sees it nobody appreciates it blah blah and then sometimes here where i live i go to the supermarket and i meet somebody who i didn't even know that i'm friends with them on facebook and they come up to me and they say to me you know i wait for your post every morning and it makes me feel good and then i think that's it even if I can just this one person and make this one person stay a little better, that's mission accomplished. Yeah, that's awesome. And that one of the, my favorite things about being a publisher of books is when I hear a story from an author who sends me a text saying, 
that they got that kind of response. I never met this person and they read my book and they said, right. And now that ripple effect here by helping somebody else share their story, they were able to impact everybody. Cause I have this belief that inspiration for everybody is different. So what I do at my root is help everybody share their story, right? Because my story where I'm from blue collar town of Pittsburgh is different than somebody from Chicago, or I have authors from Dubai or the Netherlands and things like that. Their story is different, but it can still help somebody, you know, and that story of women's empowerment, that story of somebody that overcame cancer, the story of somebody that grew up in the inner city and didn't have a father around and now inspires the community, right? These are all different stories that, hey, we can give them a platform. And so when I hear back from them that I shared my story and then they were at the grocery store and they heard that, dang, you know, God's created a ripple. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you know you're saying that there's a different story when it coming out of Pittsburgh or coming out of whatever, Dubai or, but I also feel I was a tour guide for 11 years and I lived all over the world. And yes, there are different mentalities. There are different cultures, but I have learned one thing in all these years of traveling. We are all the same. We all have the same needs. We have the need for safety and we have the need for a little importance. And we want to be financially free. I think, you know, that wherever you go, you go to, I was recently in Jordan and I was talking to somebody who was selling souvenirs in Petra. And I was sitting with this lady having tea and we were, you know, we ended up having a conversation about our kids and that we want them to be educated and it costs money. And then we were talking about cooking and then we were talking about her. She had an Instagram account. So, you know, at the end of the day, aren't we all the same? Absolutely. And you would probably, what what is that Maslow's hierarchy where you says, you know, self-actualization, safety, those, those kind of things. Uh, So you, that goes through mankind. Dominic, I want to talk a little bit about my name is Sharon, about your book, because I also want to talk about how this works to publish a book. I'm sure there are people who are listening to us who will be interested in that. But you wrote this book called My Name is Sharon and Sharon is your mom, isn't it? That is my mom. And when I wrote the book to my mom's had a battle with Alzheimer's for about 10 years now. As a publisher, I don't always write anymore because I'm busy promoting other people and it's, it's, I'm working with them. So me writing, I, I do it just as a cathartic thing. So, or working on screenplays or something different. But this was a uh, concept where I started writing just because I had these emotions that I couldn't share. I, I wasn't talking about them, right? It was sometimes what I learned is that this Alzheimer's and dementia and the family struggling with it, they hide in the shadows, right? Because this isn't something that... It's a taboo. Right? Yeah. I wasn't going to put my mom out and I still don't put her out on this and let people point their finger at her and look at her in a certain light, right? Because they loved her. And so I wanted to share a story of a mother and son's love. My mom was always there for me, right? From little boy when I was gangly and talked with mush in my mouth and got beat up at school and had uh, (laughs) teeth that stuck out of my mouth. And my mom was always there for me, protecting me. 
as the roles reversed, I wanted to share her story and not as necessarily a victim, but all that she had been through, right? And her her journey, right? This memorable journey. So I had this thought that love is never lost and I wanted to share her journey. I mean, that is so beautiful. I use um, a technique when I... When something bothers me, when something is on my mind and it keeps going around in my mind, I, I journal and I write things down and I kind of visualize that what's in my head is going through my arm, through the pen, on the paper, so I can kind of empty my head. Was there a bit of psychology involved as well when you wrote this book? Was it a bit of journaling? For me, I, I think that, to your point, getting it out on paper, on on screen, even in my notes, that kind of thing. It was helpful. And the thing about the story was my mom's journey also collided with 2020. So her Alzheimer's at the lowest points collided with a, a pandemic on the rise. So as I was writing, I did not know how the story would end. And so that was kind of the process. So, so there was no ending because I didn't have it. And then when we were locked out, so for people in nursing homes and things like that, we were separated for um, some time with glass and screens and masks. And again, I had to take my little daughter to see her grandmother and she was locked out by all those things where we could barely even see her through the screens and the glass and the things like that. So there were tough times and the, the story chronicles from the moment I think she forgot the first thing to the collision with uh, COVID. Wow. This whole situation and 2020 has had, a, I mean, there are so many stories. There are good stories as well. I want, one of the good stories is, is my podcast. I would have never started, I never thought of started a podcast, but because I love traveling and I used to travel, I actually, I, I was in Argentina. I got stuck at the beginning in Argentina. When on, I actually traveled to Argentina on the 11th of March, which I shouldn't have done. I should have known, but never mind. That's another story. But uh, when I couldn't travel anymore, I felt like I was missing a limb. So I just thought if I can't, travel, I'll talk about travel. And I started the podcast and here we are. And, um, you know, there are two sides to so many, many things. But I think especially for people like your mom, who don't understand everything 100% anymore, this situation was heartbreaking and very difficult. And I think for somebody to watch like you and or your family, even worse. No, it's, it's So just to think that like for for work myself, I may have taken 50 COVID tests, right? Where the, you know, the swabs and things like that. And to think that my mom who doesn't understand has to take a COVID test or everybody's wearing masks around her. She's not allowed to go outside. And those watching that and seeing that and not being able to guilt. And the guilt something I, I one, so I was one of the people that she had to fall right before COVID. And separated her hip and it like cut like a jigsaw through the bone. So they, my parents lived in an old farmhouse and she was going to no longer be able to, to live there, right. To be alone in a farmhouse. There was no way, right. There's not even one floor, even though, even the flat floors have steps, right. It, Cause it's all additions on additions. And um, so I was one of the people that pushed for getting her in a home. And then, Three months later, 
this pandemic hits and they say, you can't go, right? And so here, should I take her out? Should I fight more to get inside? Let me in. Well, that's just for me because she was safer there, right? Because now she's on vitamins and they're keeping the outside influences out and in the guilt as the months went by and over it was me and and so i should i have just taken her out and brought her to my house and figured it out well that's not right because that's more about me than her yeah that's the problem yeah and so it was a a real mental conundrum on what was the right thing and maybe there was no right answer right every everything i did was wrong right except except just like with my own children i will say that i made any decision i made was out of love and with my mom's best interest in mind from my own knowledge from my own education from what i was told by media sources or whatever the research i could done this is the decision we made i i have to live with that yeah but you know who who knows what is right and what is wrong whoever knows what is right and what is anything any anything but you were telling me something really beautiful before we started recording and that was about you taking out your mom and your kids in the car to see the christmas lights and i think that is just beautiful yes and so it went about a year and a half where we weren't able to visit right and you, as i'm saying it this pressure and this why let us in let us outside so finally over this over the summer we were able to visit outside and we'd go and sit in on the front benches or out in the back in a pavilion and had lovely visits right it was so rewarding and they're not always rewarding when somebody's in that kind of condition right and my mom hasn't known my name for six years she smiles when she looks at me and I think she, every once in a while, you think when you walk, she even said, I miss you, right? Or lights up from time to time. And so not saying the name or not really knowing or those times when you go and she doesn't wake up, right? Where you're, is everything all right? But so this, this is, we're around Christmas time and her brother is in from halfway across the country. It's the first time I've seen him in two years. He came in to visit and the, the other day. The first thing she said is, that's my brother, Tommy. And so in a couple of, you know, this guy is, that's my brother, Tommy. And so the conversation was a little different, a little it didn't fade away as much. And when you ask direct questions, we got, so we decided, let's go and look at Christmas lights. And so the next day we scheduled to take her out of there. You need all elements to be correct because you can't be out too long. You know, sundowners is happens at night. So you don't know, is it going to be worse? But I think with her brother there, with me there, if the car is out front, if they know we're coming, we might be able to pull this off. Now, meanwhile, my daughter's got basketball. My son's got basketball. We're picking my daughter up from the band. All these other things have to go right. On this day, for 40 minutes, we came, she came out, smiled, she saw her brother, smiled a little more, mentioned Tommy, we loaded her there into the car, and we drove around, and we looked at houses with Christmas lights, and she said, ah, that's green, what are those, that's Christmas lights, that's a stop sign, or that's a green light, you go, what do I do here, mom, that's a red light, you stop, and we saw more Christmas lights and 
Um, at one point, even on the way back, and this is not not a lie. On the way back, we're driving, and there's a car wash. There's a hill, and she's trying to make out that the trees, and she's really not saying the correct terminology. And she says, Richard, and that's my dad's name. She wants to get my attention. And she said, Dominic. So <laughs> so six years, she says my name. And we have this perfect, perfect half hour. So my kids, for the first time in five years, get to see their grandma as their grandma for the first time. There's nothing negative about the experience. And it went off uh, as good as it could be. So I, I just have this belief that there's always hope, right? And you never know. Maybe it's a minute. Maybe it's one minute. That moment in time, but hell, it's worth it. And you see, that is a very, very memorable journey. And the memorable journey can be looking at Christmas lights in the car. It doesn't have to be a trip around the world. That's what I also meant when I started my podcast. Most memorable journeys is not just about traveling. It's about journeys in life. And that story that you were just saying, which was half an hour or maybe a little more, that's a beautiful journey. Thank you. Yeah, And I I think for me personally, uh, I won't ever forget it. And hopefully that's what my daughter remembers and my son remembers about their grandma, not those other times. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about book publishing. Do how, it. Does that, how does that work? Well, so number one, I believe that it, just like everybody has a journey, this is interesting because it's so intertwined. Everybody has a story to tell. And what we try to do is bring that story out of them but also realize that when somebody tells their story or book publishing, if somebody wants to share that story, not everybody wants to share that story with everybody, right? So some people might write a book to give to their grandkids. Some people might write a book just to keep close to their heart. Like we said, journaling, but they want this to have all their thoughts in one place. Some people might write a, a book because they're a famous podcaster like yourself and uh they they realize that, hey, I, these stories, I, I need to tell them in more ways. And so as a publisher, what we do is we figure out how is that, where does that person want to go and then help them provide all the resource, get them all the resources to put one, get them a strong foundation and then to lead them to where they want to go. Everybody's different and there's no wrong way. If, hey, if this is where you want to go, okay, that's fine if this is where you want to go, but really getting into the science of, okay, if this is where you want to go, you might not be able to do it on your own or one at a time. Or if you put out a book that is substandard quality, or if you don't have a marketing plan around it, if you're not out promoting it. And so we really dig into that. And this is a subject that I'm super passionate about, but it really comes down to, I believe I have a story to share. And now, inch by inch, developing and telling that story. Mm, so whoever is listening to us here, if you have a story to tell, Dominique Damaski is your man. Get in touch with him. We're going to put all your details and everything in the show notes so people sure, can find you. you. Um, I've got a book. I think I have to send you my book. Bring it on. I will. It's called The Soul Kit, First Aid for the Soul. I used to work as an interpreter for the European Police Association, and I used to spend so much time on planes and on in, at airports. And I that, that's when I wrote, and I actually wrote my book on a plane mostly, and and in airport. It's a small book, anyway. That's a, that's a different story. I'll send you one. 
let's talk a little bit about travel because we're already, you know, you're the, you're the kind of guy I could talk to for three hours and not sure. notice that time has passed. But um, I always ask people that tonight somebody told you you can go on a trip. Anywhere you want, you can take your kids and your your wife with you. Where would you go? Okay, I, I want to. I'm always going to separate this. So one, I would go to Rome and the Colosseum with with my wife. I've seen this, and I dang, I'm thinking you've probably been to Rome ten times, but I I'm so fascinated with one. I believe history repeats itself. So you know, whether it's studying Lincoln or laws or anything like constitutions wars i'm such a believer that you learn from the past but i would love to see rome i would love to see italy i'd go down there i'd get myself in a little gondola <laughs> and I'd, I'd love to see it all so we are working i'm thinking if i can get my daughter good enough grade she's about 12 years old me and my wife have this plan once that once we have our our children are off at college the day we drop my daughter off we're getting in that plane and heading overseas. Well, if you go to Rome, then you might as well take another plane once you're done with Italy. And it's another two hours to Cyprus, you know, because the we Eastern could- Mediterranean is worth visiting. I am far down in the Eastern Mediterranean. I'm 20 minutes away from Beirut and 40 minutes away from Tel Aviv and 40 minutes from Cairo. So that's also a part to consider. It's an interesting part of the world. But okay. I agree with you, Italy, because I'm originally from Switzerland and Italy is my neighbor. And uh, when I was living in Switzerland still, we used to go for the weekend, you know, just by car to the north of Italy, to the Piedmont or to Tuscany. For And it's just beautiful. I think I always say Italian men are the only men who still flirt with women my age. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a perfect place to be then, right? Absolutely. <laughs> right. So we're far in already. Anything else that you would like to tell people? Any any inspirational um, moments, inspirational tips? Sure. And one, so we started talking about people having a story to share. So focused on this concept right now, there being 7.6 billion people on the planet and there only being one Elizabeth, one Dominic, right? And so to anybody listening, if you try to be anybody else, right? If I try to be somebody else, I will fail miserably, right? (laughs) But if I try to be Dominic, I can do all right at it. I can be the best Dominic I can be. I can't, I, I, I will not be good at being anybody else. So for your listener out there, be you, be your authentic self. You have a story to share. It's unique. It's original. Your story, you can make a difference. So by being yourself, by following your journey, I really think that you could, um, one, do amazing things. And if you share that journey, I think that you could really help other people as well. There's people that are looking up to you. There's people that are going to face the struggles that you've already overcome. And by sharing your story, you may help them. And that's what I'd like to leave you with. Yeah, I I heard it somewhere and it's not, I didn't invent it, but somebody said that your story may be somebody else's survival guide. Wow. And that is, uh, that's powerful, isn't it? I, don't quote me. It's not from me. I, somebody yeah. said it and it made an impression on me. And uh, I, I think that's a, that's a good thing to end this interview with. Thank so, you. Dominique, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. And I want to thank you very, very much. And uh, I hope that one day we'll meet in real life and not just on Clubhouse. 
Absolutely. I know now that I know Cyprus is two hours from <laughs> Rome, uh, it's going to happen. Yes, yes. So, you know, hopefully things will change. I recorded a podcast episode not long ago when I went to Jordan and I started it by somehow by saying, you know, we had to do a PCR test. And I kind of said, I wonder if in five years, people who listen to this podcast will know what a PCR test is. Hopefully mm. not. Absolutely, right? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes. If you like what you hear and want to know more, check out my Soul Guru Lifestyle program on my website, www.thesoulguru.com. Sorry, that's, that's, forget this.